With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Can you hear us? Hello, I can hear you. Can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, sweet. Even better, you know, I thought there was a pile of dog s*** before, but it was a sock, so (laughs) things are looking good. (laughs) You know what's weird? Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm annoyed that Ken Palm says Michigan State's going to win. They are going to win. It's only 49%, and I'm still on that. No, they're not. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The Hammer and Rails podcast has returned. Yes, we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and we are. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna not not say that. We're not gonna no. <laughs> Was that prepared, or you just like get to that moment and you just hope something clever comes out and <laughs> that, that can I hope? <laughs> that I was hope not so. it. Yeah, that was not <laughs> it. Yeah. I don't want to end up on like. Uh... It's like my sex life. I just get there and I'm like, oh, I hope I pull this off. <laughs> we don't want to end like, up on dead, dead well, spin, I, like hammer and rail. Just, just like your sex life, you didn't pull that one out. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. Yes, that's right. We are back, and we are actually podcasting. We remember how to do these things. It's just a matter of getting a few of us together and finding some time to talk about Purdue sports. And tonight, I, Travis Miller, a.k.a. T-Mill, a.k.a. Dr. Miguel Sanchez, have two guests with me tonight. We have, first from God's country up in Lafayette, we have the esteemed Casey. How are you doing, Casey? Confused. What? Miguel Sanchez? (laughs) It's always important to have an alias just in case you need one. Anyway, and our second guest tonight from Kansas State University where he has recently moved, we have Drew, the legend of Sean McCarthy out there. How you doing, Drew? I'm doing well. How are you, Travis? I am good. Uh, We have quite a bit to talk about tonight as we haven't podcasted since... I think December, and obviously Purdue on a 15-game winning streak in basketball, leading the Big Ten at 8-0. Everything is just going our way right now, and it's it's an exciting Big Ten race, don't you? Wouldn't you say? Uh, first of all, we need to make sure we we know that we are undefeated in the continental USA and also in actual basketball facilities. This is true. This is true. No one else can claim that. Okay, wow. that. That makes me think we lost in Hawaii and or Alaska. We are undefeated on U.S. soil. We lost okay. in the Bahamas, which is a foreign country. Fair enough. And we lost, and we lost in a damn ballroom. We lost and... in a ballroom. I feel like that is the key. That as long as we don't play in a ballroom, we're okay. <laughs> we lost on Thanksgiving. Yeah, in a ballroom. We're three weeks into January. Uh, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah right. It is. I think. What stands out so much is the way that they managed to turn it around in 24 hours because we played a pretty damn good Arizona team and just wiped the floor with them the next day. And that that's, I think, the fact that they wiped the floor with them uh, is kind of what started this whole thing. And Arizona's only lost once since, and they're doing pretty well themselves, so... If you look at our, if you look at what we've done during the streak, we have a win over the Pac-12 leaders. We have a win over the second-place team in the ACC with Louisville, and we have a win over two Big East teams, which the Big East uh, is one of the highest RPI conferences out there. So I know that a lot of people are like, well, the Big Ten's down and everything. Well, no, not really. We have the wins out of the conference Travis, to uh, the Big Ten to show that we. Oh, the Big yeah. Ten is a the flaming pile garbage. of horse crap like, this year. Let hot, steaming, just piles of garbage. Yeah, not, not but bad garbage. 
we have two national title contenders. This is true. And I also think you can say Purdue is the top five team in the country and the Big Ten is garbage. I don't think those two things have to be separate. Like, it's garbage and we are, like, destroying the garbage. Big Ten's definition has just changed because for the last handful of years, it's been a whole bunch of really good teams, solid teams, very little bad teams, but no great teams that are actually going to challenge for a title. This year, there's there's no depth. Once you get past Ohio State, it's almost all garbage. It's Ohio State, I mean, Michigan, Michigan State, and us. Some Maryland, of those teams earlier in the year, in the earlier in the year, I think, I feel like the Big Ten. I mean, Northwestern should be good. They you know they just should got they? hurt, and I feel like I, I mean they played us within what pretty close, right? That they're was the, the worst they're the only game we've team since the ballrooms. But yeah, but yeah. when we, when they were healthy, they could cause some problems for teams. I feel like when Maryland had was healthy, they could cause some problems for some teams. I think our Maryland ro- road win is undervalued now just because they lost what Jackson after they played us. I think Maryland's Remember, I, good. I think they've lost two guys since they played us. Yeah, they have. But Jackson was their players. Jackson was their guy that was you know the top top level talent um and losing him submarine their season so i feel like northwestern should be decent and just and then i feel like maryland should be good but yeah injuries have just kind of wiped those two teams out and that, below that i mean i don't know sure what's going on with iowa and wisconsin and like they've just forgot to recruit the last two or three years because they don't even like I don't look at either of those teams and go well there's a lot of talent coming up it's just young I was like, oh man <laughs> teams are bad I don't know Wisconsin's draft class has been making some like they had some pretty high recruits they were bringing in some big four star guys they just haven't developed they don't they don't have scoring anywhere yeah, yeah they, I mean they forgot them, that's it. like. They forgot they have to score to win, or like, because I mean, nobody on that team can even shoot very well. How do you get a whole team like that? And I mean, Purdue has four or five probably better shooters. You take five guys on Purdue before you would pick one guy in Wisconsin as far as shooting the basketball. Okay, you're saying that about a team that has like four guys shooting over 40% on the year. Well, I mean, Purdue's still, a... you, right, for, but we'll go five deep. And then you maybe get to a guy from Wisconsin. Come on. Wisconsin always has at least some guy that can, some lurchy guy on the outside that can bang in threes under Bo Ryan. I think, I think this guy in guard is, uh, this whole transition is not going quite as well as they thought it would. I think we're talking too much about Wisconsin. <laughs> they yeah, probably. Well, does the Big Ten get a fifth team into the NCAA tournament? I think we can agree that Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, and Ohio State, barring a collapse, those four are in. Do we get a fifth team? I think I they'll get five. I, I just Ooh. think something – I think someone will get hot. I think Maryland, Who? Northwestern, maybe Nebraska. I, they're not terribly far off. Like, maybe Nebraska. Like, I don't see – Anybody else being even in a position to get hot and get in? Like, I don't think right now any of them would, but Ken Palm's pretty pretty friendly towards Maryland. I think they have they have a couple guys that are legit good that can take over games. Yeah, where, um, what's his name, the red-headed guy? Kevin, yeah, Huerta. Kevin Huerta. Yeah, and, and they've got a more favorable schedule down the stretch here. Uh, looks like their toughest game is at Purdue. And then they actually host Michigan State. They host (laughs) Michigan State on Sunday. So, I mean, aside from those two, they they could get on a bit of a run here. And they also have the RPI right now. They're they're the only other team in the top 50 of the RPI, which I know it's the RPI, but, you know, the committee still uses it. So I still uh, contest that we're doing this wrong. If you're talking about Big Ten, you should just talk about the top. The bottom, maybe they'll get in, but they don't matter. Yeah, Those teams I mean, aren't dangerous. How long has it been since the Big Ten has only got? I mean, it hasn't got five teams in. I mean, I can't think long of. Time. Long time. I think in 2008. You guys go ahead and talk. I'll look it up. I think it was 2008. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, the Big Ten is just such trash. And I and I think Casey and I were talking before. We don't think Ohio State's very good either. Oh, yeah. I, Ohio State's good. I mean, there there's no doubt they're good and. 
they they've played very well on the road too which uh is a concern for me and there's a real possibility that when they come to Mackey they're still going to be undefeated because they have four straight home how they got four straight home games I have no idea but they get four straight home games games, but it's four games in the span of like not a lot of time yeah they they actually play Monday Thursday this week yeah, Big Ten yeah. schedule is really compressed this year because we lost a week to move up to make sure we get into the Madison Square Garden for our tournament because, you know, heart of Midwest basketball is mm-hmm. New York City. Yeah, when I think of the Big Ten, I definitely think of Madison so Square Garden. I think, I think they'll drop one. Um, Indiana at home could be dangerous. Nebraska at home could be dangerous. Nebraska's playing pretty well. I don't think Ohio State, I mean, we saw what happened having Spike Albrecht as a backup point guard. He's a liability, and maybe Dockage is just way better than Spike, but I don't see it. I just feel like guard play in the Big Ten is so down that you can hide a guy against almost any team, but you can't hide a guy against us. And you can hide a guy on Michigan State because their guard play is not the same yeah, as their team. you know, that's basically what, when I watch Clemson go up to Ohio State and just beat them, I mean, going away, beating them, they just, Clemson has three really good guards, and, and Ohio State just didn't have an answer for that. If there was a day for us to unleash Carson as a point guard, it's against Ohio State. Just and like I'm Dakota. That that's in Mackey, too. Yeah, but I mean, just put Dakota at the two, Vincent at the three, and then play Klein or play Harms at the four, and then let Carson just run the show. Because there's no way Dockage could stick with Dakota or Carson. Yeah, and I, mean, I, did, I was able—I was able to look it up here. 2008, only four teams from the Big Ten made the tournament: Purdue, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Michigan State. And that was when Indiana State fired Samson, and they were invited to participate in the tournament, but they fell completely apart and quit on Dockage as the uh, as the uh, interim coach. So well, that wasn't a good year for them, if I remember correctly. <laughs> But yeah, that that would be the last time that only four teams made it, I believe. Do we all believe that Purdue is going to win the conference? Ooh, I yeah. want to I, I say yes. Um, you know, I'm still afraid of the, you know, quote unquote bad game. But you still look at the last two games where Haas has barely done anything. And we have just absolutely blown out both teams. So, I mean, there's only a couple of teams, honestly, that can give us, that have the talent, even if we play poorly, that can beat us. Uh, and, you know, Michigan's one of those teams. I uh, think Michigan's, if we make it, if we Michigan make it State through Michigan Ohio. State, if we make it through Michigan State with only two losses or less, I think we win because the last four are at Wisconsin, which we should crush them, uh, home for Penn State, at Illinois, home for minnesota and you're you're we're basically entering the tough stretch right now with michigan on thursday which yeah it's at purdue but they still scare me because of just the matchup differences that they can present they're the worst matchup for us yeah Yeah, anyone in the big 10 just matchup wise they are by far the worst everyone can do a little bit of something with the ball and they have a big man that can absolutely get it across yeah Uh, and michigan state is entirely based upon bully ball down low with big guys, the athletic Jaron Jackson, and then Miles Bridges, the three-point shooter. The is only he... thing I, I, I think about Michigan State is, if I were to say where are we weakest, it would be if a team just beats us up on the offensive boards. And that's what I worry about Michigan State. I think Michigan State is probably the only team in the conference could do that. But I think we might, we could very well be susceptible to Michigan State coming out and getting like 15 offensive rebounds. I get that, but I think specifically it needs to be the way Tennessee did it, which is with really big athletic guards. It wasn't our big men that were awful in that Tennessee game. It was our guards blocking out Mm -hmm. and them having guys that are athletic enough to go around and over Haas and Vincent and whoever we have in down low. I don't know. I mean, Miles Bridges is that type, but he plays so far away from the basket now. He's just a shooter for them. If they get there, guys, go. I mean, Cassius Winston's a good athlete, and Langford out there is, you know, both of those are former four and five star guys, and Langford is a t- tall dude that can athletically maybe give us some issues. Is it Langford? Is that their two guard? Yeah, I think, is it Jeremy Langford? Josh I mean, Langford. I, he, I feel like, gives us 
some issues. I mean, His Michigan offensive State's rebound give rate is 3.7 on the year. Cassius Winston is <clears throat> 0.5. Nick Ward is the best offensive rebounder in the country. Jaron mm-hmm. Jackson is pretty good at 8.4%. Their guys off the bench rebound the ball pretty well, but Nairn does not. He has an offensive rebound percent of zero. Yeah, but he's like three feet tall. Sure, that's what I'm <laughs> saying, though. They're not going to give us a problem. And also, they're just used to Ward getting rebounds. And I watch Ward. We watch Ward last year against Haas. He couldn't move Haas, and that is 90% of what Ward's game is based upon. So he couldn't do anything. He couldn't rebound. He couldn't score. He did not have a good game against them. Uh, Haas has got to stay on the floor, though. That, I, I don't. That is another place where I feel like I feel like we could we are a little susceptible is de- depth in the front court when you know Haas gets in foul trouble. Having harm is obviously great, but say if you when we come into a couple of times where Vincent, who tends to pick up fouls in you know bunches when he does start fouling, and he I and think are, Taylor off the bench is a pretty good third big man. <sighs> Yeah. For like speaking for like big men in the country, like there's not many schools that have another seven foot option that can play a little. He well, rebounds. He's, uh, he's a good rebounder. My problem is at the four, not the five. I think we're fine at the five. I think when we, when we end up, you know, having to go and, and try to, that's where we. I mean, we've been using Harms recently, but he took Eifert's minutes. I feel like that's where um, Eden Ewing was supposed to plug into this team, and and he didn't. And so I guess Eifert took those minutes. But I think we found out that if we have Eifert on the court, you better have four other people that can score around him because the other team just isn't going to guard him. Um, we have a hard time scoring when he's on the court sometimes. Um, but I think that that four, depth at the four position, I feel like we really have to sort of come up with some different stuff uh, when we get in trouble there. Yeah, I mean, Vincent's always been the most important guy in our team. Uh, we can't do anything without him, but I don't know if – I don't know if Jared and Jackson's going to – He's an athlete and he moves pretty well, but he's also a freshman. And I don't know if I trust a freshman to be able to, you know, take a senior on and get him into foul trouble. Vincent's gone up against every variety of athlete and player at this point, And you just have to trust him to not get into trouble. Yeah. And... See, Vincent, Vincent doesn't usually get fouls playing defense though. All the fouls he gets are like over the back rebounds and like, I don't little... think he's going to try to go over Jaron Jackson. <laughs> Little cheap reach-ins. Like, every, like right. every time Vincent gets in foul trouble, it's not because, like, three guys have backed him down and he's fouled him. It's because, like, he got uh, he was going for an offensive rebound and committed a foul. And he, like, reached in at midcourt and right. committed a foul. And I, well, I'm sure he's going to realize that in that game. Like, that's something coaches will say. If we're smart enough to think that's the biggest issue, I'm sure the coaches will tell him that. And you have to I mean, that. obviously, we're nitpicking on the, right. the third best team. In the uh, by the way, <laughs> Nick Ward last year, two games against Purdue, he got a total of three offensive rebounds and zero defensive rebounds. Haas was a problem for him. Haas and Biggie were a problem. Yeah. And it's... I still don't have a good feeling about that game, but I'm kind of glad right now that they already have two losses in conference play and that they've had some question marks to where we could get there and not have to win it to win the Big Ten, which would be very nice. It's it's a real blessing in disguise that it's a away game because at bet, it's pretty much a win-win situation as long as we don't get blown out. If we're close on the road, we're going to get moral points for being like, oh, they stuck with them in that crazy place at Michigan State. If we win, I mean, that's as marquee of a win as any team has in the country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, at the same time, no one's expecting really us good, to win. Right? And with yeah. a two-game edge, I don't think Michigan State, I mean, they nearly lost to Rutgers. Speaking of, you know, taking a little bit more of a look at a national perspective, obviously right now we kind of control our own destiny for a number one seed. How many losses could we have and still get a number one seed, which would be huge for this team, I think. I feel like with the... You go, Casey. I just feel like it's more so, it's not so much the number of losses, it's the number of bad losses, which is kind of a cheap answer just because the Big Ten's so bad that literally... Besides losing to Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State, they're all bad losses. So I think you have to, the way our schedule works out, we just have to, we need to protect home court. The Michigan win will go a long way in securing a number one. Mm-hmm. And we can't lose to Maryland at home. We probably need that one. I think if we win Michigan at home, Maryland at home, Ohio State at home, even if we lose in Michigan State, we wrap up a number one for sure. Yeah, you're, you're looking at 17-1 and one there unless we just... right. 
really it, trip up against somebody. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, we could probably lose one of those three tough home games remaining and lose to Michigan State and have a number one seed wrapped up. I, I think it would be if we lost to Ohio State and Michigan State, say, I think we'd probably need to go to the, win the Big Ten tournament. Really? Yeah, I think to get a number one seed. I think we just have to get to the championship if we lose two in the regular season. Well, I'm just going to assume we're going to play Michigan State there. And I assume that 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 number one seed may very well be between Michigan State and Purdue if if a Big Ten team is going to be. I mean, I think think it's out of the question that Purdue and Michigan State both end up with number one seeds. Well, here's the here's the interesting uh, thing. So bad, I, I don't know if they'd do that. The other teams aren't playing well. Oklahoma just lost again. That's true. I mean, pretty much, yes. Virginia and Villanova look pretty locked up. I I guess you people love Duke. They're five, but like they keep losing games. Like their pedigree does. Our pedigree looks great. We have a ton of quality wins. We have some away wins now. We've got the chance to pick up a few more. Yeah, because uh, we we have six uh, tier one wins right now, and depending on really what happens, it could be seven because there's that cutoff on the road where the top seventy five uh, count as a tier one win. We got Minnesota at seventy six right now. Minnesota's not moving up. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're not. The toilet they're not bowl. getting better. Yeah, like, the, a lot of our computer rankings are based off the fact that Minnesota is still judged as a good team. Yeah, and not anymore. Yeah, but Michigan's Michigan's home win can move up for us if they stay hot. Maryland can get better. Um, Ohio Isn't Michigan State staying hot? Really good. Contingent on beating us. Well, Michigan no. Michigan's currently at thirty-seven. So no one expects Michigan to win in Mackey Arena. They can lose that game and then just not lose to anyone else but Michigan State and have a good. I don't think they play them again. I think I think the only team that teams that have a chance of beating us in Mackey are Michigan and Ohio State. I don't I just don't think Maryland has the has it right now. They have not played well on the road. Uh they're one and four away from home and uh the one win was at Illinois by a point. So <laughs> Is Jackson uh, still hurt for them? Yeah, he's yeah, out for the year. Yeah, they, they've got guys okay, yeah, out they for just the don't, year. Yeah. So they they, have... they and they've lost by thirty, by twenty two, and by one in their last three road games against Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan. So, you know, that just gives you an idea of what we're looking at. Uh they do play at Indiana tomorrow night, which will be very interesting considering we get Indiana next. Are you guys After buying Michigan? into this Indiana thing? Because I'm not. What, that they're terrible? No, that they're decent. No, I'm not buying that at all. There, there has been talk about. Oh, are they pushing for the NCAA tournament? Are they possibly a decent team? No, no, they are not. Thank in you. Anyway, a decent well, team. Well, the thing is, is you See? cannot. That you tone cannot... in Travis's voice. Uh huh. Like yeah, like he's gonna say the Big Ten's really bad, so maybe they pick up some really crappy wins, but they didn't beat anybody. They, like, I mean, Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's in Not the toilet good. right now too. What? They haven't even beat anybody decent. Well, I can't. I cannot, in good conscience, write them off because 2010 we were rolling through the Big Ten. 2010 at the time. has nothing to do. They were <laughs> ten and twenty-one. They, they were a worse team and played us to then. a three-point game in Bloomington. They were a worse team that year and played us to a three-point game in Bloomington because anything can happen in Bloomington. I was in Michigan City at a casino during that game, and that was a weird game. And, and that was when Verdell Jones had. Know, you know what the difference is between that team and this team? This, this Purdue, Purdue team is a lot better. better. <laughs> a lot better. That team had holes. Yeah. They called goal. everyone past Keaton Grant on the rotation. Yeah. So does it? <laughs> does, does this Purdue in your guys' mind? Obviously, it's Best really team of my early. Lifetime. Uh, Hands down. Does this team get to a Final Four? Yes. Uh, yes. Is, Fuck it. Yes. Casey's going going all in. I will say that the final four is such a I feel like the final four is such a terrible metric to judge teams. I feel like Purdue really is, gets No, the tournament is an awful because way to judge teams, but I believe just a crapshoot about who you play, when and when you play and and where you play. Um Coach Painter Literally said this is his best chance to get to the final four. Coaches don't I mean, just, he just he him definitely does not just say that. Right. No, I, I, I think this team certainly has the potential to get to the final four. Oh my god. Um I would give it a more, you know, but to say they are definitely gonna get to the final four when the, it's just such a 
up in the air. Who do we play? Do we play end up playing a team that just gets crazy hot, or we have one of those cold shooting nights in a dome? And uh, you know, By the so, way, is Purdue now the number one shooting three point team in the country? It'd have to be right. That's what I mean, Ken Palm is telling me. We're up number there one. for sure. Number one. That would make sense. We have an entire point or 1.1% above Wofford. Wofford. (laughs) It's Wofford. Wofford. Okay, we're third uh, in terms of percentage. William and Mary. William and Mary is at forty four point five. Wofford's at forty four. We're at forty three point seven. What is Ken Palm smoking? Well, this this is just straight like actual made percentage and stuff. Now we we made. What does Ken Palm use? I don't know. <laughs> is there an algorithm? Most swishes. All right. So uh, football. Yes, we've won a bowl game. We were in a bowl game. My God. I mean, <laughs> is that your intro? Yeah, I'm gonna cut that out, and then I'm just gonna go bowl game. <laughs> I mean. I, for being seven and six and, you know, what would otherwise be a mediocre season for so many programs, it's just such a relief to actually be competitive and do what we did this past season. And, uh, you know, I know that recruiting is going to be big going forward here, especially as uh, Brahm obviously has to replace quite a bit on this team. But we've got some good guys coming in. And uh, I know Drew said that we've got some strong offers going out. So take it away, Drew. All right. First of all, I think we should probably uh, mention that Tony Levine uh, is basically retiring from coaching. He's walking away. Um, uh, you know, be more with his family. Coaching is such a grind. He's got a lot of kids. Yeah, he's got like four, and they're all two years apart. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I mean, I understand Tony's probably under a little bit of stress. Being <laughs> being on the road all the time probably isn't uh, you know super conducive to all of that. And so I think he's uh, stepping away from coaching. And that's a big loss for Purdue. He was, uh, you know, the former head coach uh, at Houston and uh, he brought a lot to the table and for special teams and recruiting. Um, so that's going to be a tough, uh, tough uh, guy to replace. But it should be interesting because I know special teams, while they had some moments this year, we had absolutely nothing in the return game. Yeah, both punts and kickoffs, and then that was a big that was a big part of it. Yeah, Levine's specialties are like fake punts and kicks, and all, all of that was uh, sort of his doing. How much of like returning is X and O's? It's mostly just what your return is capable of, right? Yeah, pretty much get going north and south as fast as you can and hope nobody gets in your way. So so who uh, coming in can be a difference maker there other than obviously Rondale Moore? Well, we've got Rondale Moore. Let's not skip over him. I want yeah, you to not... give me like 45 seconds of Rondale Moore talk. Oh, yes. Rondale Moore is the the most explosive receiver we've recruited since probably uh, Dorian Bryant. Hold on, I was going to say, on. he's got some Dorian Bryant in him, doesn't he? Travis, yeah. can you please mute your mic before you unzip? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Dorian Bryant, um, Rondale's probably the most explosive player since, um, you know, Dorian. Um, he does a little bit of everything. He's not going to be your, like, traditional wide receiver. Um, I think he went out to the All-Star game, and they weren't quite sure what to do with him. He, um because he's going to be a guy that's going to run the jet sweep. Uh, he's going to probably motion him in the backfield. We're going to use him in the slot. He's not going to be like, uh, you know, stick him outside the numbers and let him run routes all day. It's not quite the player he is, but um, he's more of a multi-purpose tool, if you will. Is Dorian Bryant, so he's not really the pure comp for... No, no, it's not really. Um, just like maybe athletically, Dorian was more of just a wide receiver, um, and I think Rondale's going to do more of that. But then again, Is you it know, like Purdue, Tavon Austin for St. Louis Rams. Yeah, yeah, I think Tavon Austin or Ray Ray McLeod from Clemson last year, um, who you know, I watched a lot. Um, who just sort of played the slot and then he'd run the option routes, just get, they'd run a lot of uh, screen. We're on a lot of screens to him, both maybe even him out of the backfield in the screen and, or, uh, you know, out with the wide receiver quick screen, but he is going to be good. Uh, I think you'll see Caron Catlett um, play a good bit next year. He's our other sort of, at least in the return game. Um, if we're going to get a position, a, a, is he? 
he's a wide a wide receiver. We played him early, early in the year. Oh, um, yeah, he started as the kick returner. I know the first couple games, but then yeah. kind of faded and didn't play a whole lot after that. Yeah, yeah, I think you'll see him. He he is an explosive athlete. Another another guy a lot like Rondale Moore, um, but I think it just took him a little while. You know, it's weird. I guess sometimes when you're you know you're playing in a smaller school, you got to sort of readjust uh, your game when you used to be able to just uh, turn it on and outrun everybody. All of a sudden, everybody's just as fast as you are. I feel like Catlett had a little bit of trouble with that. Like he tried to do too much. But um, here's my question. I keep hearing. Are we actually losing that much on the team this year? We're losing seven starters defensively. On defense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we lose. Offense is fine. Uh, One of the big things that we're going to lose is you got to break in new cornerbacks. And we saw in the Nebraska game what happens when uh, you lose a top corner and you don't really have anybody uh, to replace him. Are we losing Hunt? Yeah, we're Uh, losing Hunt. We're losing Hunt and Okanye. We're losing both of them. Both of them. Okay. And then we also lost uh, Hardy, who was kind of the number three guy, too, because he's the one that came in when Hunt was injured against Nebraska, and he's gone. Do so, we have anyone, like, sitting in our roster that were pretty, like, decently ranked who, Drew, you were excited about getting during the Hazel era uh, on defense Sim- that might yeah. be ready to break out? Simeon Smiley will be uh, the guy in the um, uh, as far as defensive backs. You'll see him. He played in the bowl game you saw him play a good bit, um, and he's a—he's one of our more highly related uh, Hazel recruits. Um, he's out of Florida, and he'll—I would say if I was going to say the number one uh, corner starting out would probably be Smiley, um, and then after that, it's just sort of a jumble of three-star guys that could be really good, um, but just haven't played much. So Diedrich Mackey—he's one out of my, Booker T. Washington. He's a freshman this year. He has uh, he has some talent. He came in pretty highly rated. Um, I think he may have redshirted this year. So yeah, he did. Um, I would probably say, as far as talent wise, sitting out there on the roster, that Diedrich Mackey is probably one to circle as a guy you're probably going to see. He was one of the more highly sought after um, guys. Other than that, um, Josh Hayes is gone. He was fairly high, highly uh, recruited. Um, he didn't have a lot of offers, but he was ranked fairly high. Um, and he had some experience. And I know, I know, in terms of experience, we still have Tim Kaysen, but I know he's struggled at times. Yeah, Kaysen. I mean, Kaysen was a, like another fairly highly rated guy coming in that just haven't haven't figured it out. We got Mike Little, who's a you know taller cornerback out of California that is still on the roster. Um, he came in. He was another you know solid three star guy. So I mean, there's some. Uh, this is really going to be whoever shows up in camp. I, Considering, I, would... I mean, at the beginning of the year, we thought our defense was going to be garbage, right? This past we, year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we thought there were some definite holes in, in the defense that actually weren't there. Yeah, so we lost guys that mostly the staff was able to turn into really good Big Ten players. So it's probably okay to assume it's as bad as losing seven seniors sounds. It's not going to be as bad as it might be. Well, you could say players that. Because have been able except, to develop. Except that those guys, those seniors, were probably a part of uh, Hazel's best recruiting class. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, those yeah, were probably I'm, I'm... some of his best, like okay. Jalen Robinson and uh, Juwan Bentley. Um, I mean, some, some of them were, I mean, I think... Uh, Danny E was probably, uh, I think he was just a two-star guy out of, out of Georgia. So, I mean, they redeveloped a good bit and we moved around a good bit of pieces. I felt like we finally, the coaching staff finally got some of these guys in their best positions. Is Marcus Bailey a potential Big Ten player of the year on defense? Potentially. I mean, he's got the talent and he'll have the, some of the hype. I, I, I think he'll probably be preseason either first team or second team, all Big Ten. Right, uh, just so. a junior? Yeah, he'll, he'll be a junior. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I assume they're going to keep him on the outside because and use Derek Barnes as their you know big thumper at middle linebacker like we had this year with Bentley. Freeze Bailey up to uh, do a little bit more in coverage. Um, but definitely, I think he uh, he's going to put up the big numbers for the defense to be good. So 
I think you'll see him around the ball a lot. I think that'll be part of the coaching staff's uh, main goal is to get him around the ball a lot. So definitely. Well, I'm lo- I'm looking at Hazel's last recruiting class, his last full recruiting class in 2016, because I know 2017 was uh, a lot of main- maintenance and uh, put together by Brom. He had six three-star players in that recruiting class that was ranked 73rd nationally, and uh, of those six, two have already left. <laughs> in uh, Terrence Landers and Josh Hayes, uh, you, you can make you a have... defense with four players, right? Yeah. So um, you mentioned Smiley. Uh, you got Navon Mosley, who's already starting. You got Brandon Schumann, who was a three-star. Schumann's and, good. I like Schumann. And uh, the the sixth guy was uh, Javante Ferguson, which uh, I don't. Yeah, wait, he's he gone. He never got here. Yeah, he <laughs> did never get here. So yeah. yeah, of of the best players that he got that final year, three of them are already gone. Which yeah, is, it was not. It was not great. <laughs> so I I think in that you're gonna see. This is going to be the first year that Bra- has the roster has more of Brahms players than uh, Hazel's players, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the guys that are left over from Hazel because they are the ones that you know this is where they have to buy in and they have to develop and the coaching staff is going to have to have some two-star guys that come up and play like four-star guys. Drew, how can you can you really expect true freshmen that aren't the supreme athletes or four or five star guys to play right away in the Big Ten. No. I would say with the exception is I think defensive back is the maybe one just straight up cornerback. I think it's probably the best bet to be able to come in right away and do that as say like a three star player. Is that just um, a physical tool thing? Because you don't yeah. need to be as strong or built. Or... Yeah, you don't need to be quite as strong. Quite, as, I mean, fast is fast, and you know if you're quick and you've got some good, good instincts, um, you can get on the field um, early. It's, physically, what you're required to do isn't being in the middle. I don't think if you're having to play like freshman defensive tackles, unless they're five star guys or you know four star guys, you're in trouble. Um, same thing with defensive end and linebackers and safeties but i feel like you can get away with it at cornerback which is what i'm hoping we're able to sort of do with a couple of these guys let's move on to basketball we're already at like 50 minutes all right cool. and uh th- this could be our final topic as you guys said and uh it-, it comes into play with the big 10 player of the year race and the first team all big 10 for the five spots there but as casey suggested who is our best player is it carson is it Vince? Haas? Is it Dakota? Do we put all five uh, on the... I, I think if we go 18-0 in the Big Ten, the uh, first team all Big Ten should just be the uh, starting five, honestly. like it. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I think Purdue has three first team all Big Ten players. I'm not willing to take Dakota off the list, and I think, just to answer who are best, I'd, it has to be Carson, now that he's knocking down three-point shots. He is literally unguardable. I have been to most of the games this year. I was to a lot of games last year. I watched him on the floor against good teams, bad teams, really good teams. He is, in person, he is the quickest athlete on the floor every game that I've seen. And now he has the skill and the pace and the knowledge. He's recently pulled off two games where he had at least seven assists and no turnovers. You wouldn't have believed that of him last year. Mm -hmm. And add that with his just knockdown shooting. His ability to create a shot at the mid-range or at the basket. He's unpredictable in a good way on offense. Like, you can never feel comfortable guarding him if you're a defender. And I just think that is something so special that Purdue has not had. And I think that's why this team is so much different. And honestly, Vincent Edwards is, he's still our most important player. If one game you had to choose someone not to lose, it'd be Vincent. Yeah, I think Carson's he's our most. Still our best player. Do I sound like Dan Dockage? No, Dan I don't know. Yeah, you do sound a little like Dan. I, I, but I agree with you. I feel like I feel like just sheer basketball talent wise, we haven't had a player like Carson Edwards uh, in a long time. Um, and that takes I'm, into account Biggie last year, who was an exceptional talent, but a different type of talent. Different, different type of talent. Yeah, the, the, with the type of sort of talent that Carson is. I'm trying to think back to a, a guard that we've ever had at Purdue. Etwan. Uh, I mean, Etwan was there. Like, it Etwan didn't was, look the same. No, it didn't look the same. It had a similar effect, I guess. Yeah. Um, Etwan was the last guy that I think 
if we absolutely needed a basket at any point, each one was the last guy I would be like, yes, let's get it to him. He will find some sort of shot, be it a three-pointer, be it a drive, a runner, whatever. Or the pass. Like, he, he's a playmaker, too. Right, right. I mean, and but in that, you know, you also have it, it that I think it's also what helps make Purdue so dangerous this year because with our starting five, you have all five players on the floor that if they're out there, I'm not I'm not even sure who I want taking the last shot. It's like, okay, you can go to Haas because you have a gigantic seven foot two man that can't be guarded one on one by anybody in the country. You've got Carson and can hit his free throws. Yeah, and he hits his free throws. <laughs> And he's already won a game by hitting. Just tell him that he has two free throws instead of a one-on-one. You got Carson who can do a little bit of anything offensively, either one-on-one or create and pass off. You've got Matthias who, you know, if, if we needed a three, I want Matthias or Klein shooting it, which, you know, that's even factoring in Klein as a sixth man. I still think Klein has a clutch gene. I don't know. what yeah. it is. I, yeah. like, I can't get that true freshman year out of my head. He made shots consistently that he had no business just draining. Oh, and don't forget last year he hit some big shots at Penn State in a game where we Right. Were just- I yeah, I just meant like as a true freshman, like you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do what he did. Yeah. And, and- My favorite thing about Klein is that he comes in, he's gunning. He you he is going to pull the trigger on one of those threes. Like and he's like you looking for it. I- as soon as it hits his hand, it takes a lot of persuasion for him not to like I don't up. see that. See, I think he's he takes as smart a shots as anyone on the team. Actually, to be honest, he takes the smartest shots now. It used to be him and Dakota, 1A, 1B. Dakota's starting to look for shots more, and that means taking some more iffy shots. I feel like Ryan Klein hasn't taken – he's taken two bad shots in, like, his entire career. Yeah, I can I see that. And then, I'm not saying he's taking, like, bad shots, but he's shooting. Sure, <laughs> he yeah, gets, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he knows what he is. Yeah, like, he, yeah. no, like, that's, he knows like, when, the, like, the light is on. Your hand is not touching my nose. I'm open. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not that he's taking bad shots, but the green lights on for Klein. Yeah. I I like that. I like that he comes in and the whole key dribble shot against Iowa. Yeah. The record. I I feel like I feel like we really look for him when he comes in too. I feel like when Mm -hmm. he comes in, he he runs real hard, really hard off those screens, and I feel like he almost turns into the center of our offense for just a little while. He, he's looking to hit threes. That's a good point. Like, as much as we hate Dockage just for being Dockage, like, <laughs> I think, A, he does actually appreciate Purdue for the yeah. right reasons. And also, I he agree. notices a lot of little things. Our guys come off really hard off screens. Yeah. They really create space that other play- that you don't get when you just lollygag through a screen. Our guys are great at that, and it's because we know they don't have to shoot. They just want that separation to get the defense in rotation, and they're also unselfish. They know that that creates looks for everyone else. Just just like yesterday, that possession where we're up, like, what, 30, 35, and I counted eight passes, everyone touched the ball, and it led to... This is me unzipping. And it led to an O'Jell Eastern dunk on a little dump-off, and it was, as I called it, it was sensual basketball. It really was, and if we can keep... Travis, did you answer who you thought our best player was? I, didn't, honestly, I don't think anybody did. I think you answered it. I said Carson. This, this yeah. team is just so perfectly balanced, and it's like I love a guy like P.J. Thompson who, oh, you mean I only am going to be taking three or four shots a night, and it's usually wide open threes, and he's hitting at 51% right now. It has just got had 14 points on eight of – yeah, 14 points on eight of 11 three-point shooting the last Speaking two games. Speaking of being That's a gunner now, option. yeah, no, P.J. Yeah. shooting like – his release this year is at least 0.4 seconds quicker. Yeah, no, and he's he been that just thing taking up. it. Like, it's way faster. We we are going to miss P.J. Thompson. I was talking about this earlier today. P.J.'s the kind of guy that he's obviously not going to go to the NBA. I don't even know if he's going to play over in Europe or anything. He could play overseas. If you can but, shoot that well, you can play over. But, but as a result, can we just keep him in college in perpetuity as long as he feels like playing? I mean, seriously. I feel like it's fair. I mean, the he's not no. more athletic, so. Yeah. I mean, he's he's like the perfect, you know, I'm a college point guard and only a college point guard player. And I think I, I brought I this up in chat. I literally, I think there should be the same way we have a like most improved award in the NBA. There should be a most improved award that starts every year 
every freshman year, and every four years, that class, someone gets the most improved award, and they should call it the P.J. Thompson Award. Oh, great, because P.J. was taking a lot of these open threes, and he wasn't afraid to take them as a freshman. And right, I, he just airballed them in the NCAA tournament because yeah, he wasn't he, a good shooter. Yeah, he, he shot 28% from three as a freshman. He's been over 40 every year since, including 51 this year. This year, and this year, like, literally, he is not the same player. Like, last year, he had to, the last two years, he shot well, but it's because he shot only wide open looks. Mm-hmm. Last year, he, he got into the range, like, he'd take a couple pull-ups here or there. PJ, now, if he, he's got the client, like, if you're not right on him. Yeah, it's open, going up. And it's going up, and it's going out quick. Like, yeah. literally, his jump shot is so fast. It was, I played against him after his freshman year uh, in the summer at the Co-Rec. And he just looked like a guy on the floor. Like, the jump shot was slow. Like, you knew when it was coming. Now, that thing is, like, pure, quick. You can't get to it. Like, he's making threes with guys launching at him that are six inches taller, eight inches taller. He has become a really, really good basketball player and like you said perfect for a team full of other guys that can score because he doesn't take bad shots and he doesn't eat up possessions right and he'll he'll be there and he gets the open looks because everybody's worried about everyone else and i know i know i've written about it several times he always seems to hit the big shot when we need it you know he had five points last year against iowa state what shot did he hit he knocks down a three right after they had taken the lead for the first time i mean he's, he's just so is that your answer pj I would say PJ's the most clutch. I'll go with Carson is the best on the team. Uh, Drew? I, I think Carson's the best. And he make, he's what makes this team so unique with four seniors. I think that Vincent's probably the most irreplaceable player on the roster. I think one of us needs to answer Vincent. I'm going to say Vincent because I, like, <laughs> I, like, I feel like he... He's been the best if, player the last three yeah, games. It, and if you took his skill set out, there's nobody left to replace him. Yeah, like, like, nobody can do what he does. And I'm not saying that... I, I mean, it's not that our other guys can do what Carson does, but they can still in, do it in a different way. I don't it's think we have any... Because they're both kind of... It, it's kind of like you need two pillars to hold up like a really big house, and they're each that pillar. Yeah. Like Vincent does all the dirty stuff while still being a great shooter, a great passer, really good rebounder, athletic, long. But Carson is how you can't key on Purdue players. You can't like you can't jump out on Dakota. You can't double Isaac because you can double in the post if everyone is just a shooter because you just rotate because you rotate way ahead of time. You're not worried about them pump faking and driving. But with Carson, you can't let him have the ball while the while your defense is not set. Mm -hmm. Even with a set defense, he's getting a shot. Okay. And speaking of pump faking and driving, what percentage of the time would you say Vincent travels when he pump fakes and drives every time? Would you say that would be 100% because I think I think if they I think they could just blow the whistle every time and every time they do it I'm never not I'm never like oh terrible but they don't call this year they haven't called it at all I've seen it I think they've been called a couple times I think a certain refs will it used to be a couple times a game yeah. I think he's still doing it the same amount. He, he's getting the senior calls now, though. Yeah. <laughs> he kicks him with you. I, he just yeah. loses both his. He just his pivot foot just sort of moves it around takes everywhere. So long, yeah. yeah. Well, it, this should tell you how valuable Vincent is. When arguably the game at Michigan was one of his worst that he's had, and you know he he was struggling to score and everything. What's he do? He hits the biggest three of the game to tie it. And, that three was a ten out of ten difficulty. Yes, and and he nailed it. I mean that that barely touched net on the way down. Here's and, how I feel about Vincent, and we saw this at the Iowa game. If he hits his first shot or first couple shots and just looks like good on offense, I'll turn the game off. Like I'm not worried. The game's over. If Vincent is really good, Vincent, no team can beat us. Yeah. Oh, like when he just eviscerated Minnesota in the first half. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he just torched him. Torched him. Oh, how sexy is that little step back jumper that he's... No, I don't want him to take it. Uh, I love that I think it's his shot. worst shot. Uh, no, you know, I, I, I want him to take that shot when we're down like, we're up like 15. Yeah. I don't want him to ever take it because I don't want I him to feel see, I want to see that Because he makes one true. and then he goes into like his post-up moves and I'm like, eh. I love that shot. I feel like that's my favorite shot of the year. 
I'd rather Carson take it. Is it the step back? One foot step foot back from Vincent. (laughs) So how do we feel about the Michigan game? That's what this all all equates to. We've got a giant home game Thursday. Honestly, if I were to be totally honest, I think you're scared. Yeah, we know. (laughs) And I think I think we're more likely to lose this one than the Michigan State game. And I, I, <laughs> I, I do not like the way that we match up against them. And I know Painter was doing some different things with the switches, but they got hot and were hitting those threes off of those switches whenever they had Haas guarding a uh, perimeter guy. Can and I make they, a prediction? They were, we're hitting not him. switching Haas this game. <laughs> that was it. Well, it was. It was. They just, say, I mean, it worked. We won. I know yeah. he didn't want him to go off. I don't think it ever looked good. I, no, it, it, no. But I just don't looked. think he will. I think Bayline's going to have that in his head, and I think Painter's going to think he has that in his head. So I think we'll come up with something different. Honestly, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I say that, though, but I have thought for a very long time that we are not losing a Mackey Arena this year. And so, uh, yeah, I, I hope. How if special would that be for this senior class? If there's a team that's going to beat us in Mackey, I think it's going to be Michigan. And I, I think we get it done, though. I think I think it'll be a tight game. I think they'll play as close because they're, they're playing some good ball right now. But I, I think we get it done, and we, we still beat them in Mackey. We just dominated Michigan most of the game. Yeah. Harbor. And I just I think we're untouchable in Mackey. I think we could beat anybody in the country in Mackey this year. It's you know just, where you're not untouchable? East Lansing. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that will be that. I still think we're going to leave that. But, but I, I think we, I think we go undefeated in Mackey. I think we go at least seven and two on the road. And I think we win the big 10 at 16 and two. Uh, I think the Michigan game is, 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 I think all, but most of these Michigan games kind of, is how more of a advantage or a liability. Cause that's what sort of, when Haas is in, can can he punish them down low? Because if he can't, he can't play. Right. Because I, he, I like that he's had two bad games. Yeah. Yeah, he's due. He's due for a he's due for a breakout game, and he did. Punish. I feel good about that. He can stay on the court against Michigan, but for him to stay on the court means that he is in the post, just punishing their skinny little shooters that they they have inside. Like that, he can do that and stay on the court and be effective against Michigan. But if he is not, if he's been playing, if he starts playing passively in the post, uh, then they're just going to eat him up on the outside. He can't guard their 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 four or five, and they'll put him in the pick and roll every time. The I think he'll get Wagner in foul, foul trouble though. Yeah, because I, I, mean, I kind of got in Wagner's head a little bit. Every close game, like, Haas has been pretty good. Yeah. Like, the Louisville game, he only had nine points, but he drew a lot of fouls. And they weren't all free throw fouls. A lot of them were early in the half. And Louisville's a weird team where they just have, like, three different Mo Wagners. But, I like, he has been really good in big games this year. Yeah. And I think think he has this one circled, especially since the narrative after that game was – what Painter had to do with his players to guard Wagner. Yeah. Wagner, Wagner. I've said it like 18 different ways. I don't know, but, man. I think as much as Haas might want to go out there and try to, I mean, I understand that. I just don't know if he's physically capable of handling that matchup. I don't, I don't think he can move laterally well enough, no matter how much he wants to. No, you definitely have to like game plan something to keep him from getting burned. But on the other end, we've seen him like, that's I it. mean, that's... he drew the foul. Like, yeah, that's where he it's has It's because to be. Wagner knows he yeah. has no chance against him if he catches that ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like, against Michigan, I like Haas in, like, shorter, like, spurts mm-hmm. where they don't get in that rhythm and where they just start picking us apart with that pick and roll because they usually Guys, take am I a, crazy? a couple should... possessions to get into that. Should we break out a brand new lineup of death? Should Vincent not play the five, guard Wagner for a bit, bring out Klein? Bring out Matthias, bring out Carson, and bring out Eastern. And just have a straight three-point shooting contest with Michigan. Yes, just (laughs) run it. We'll just hold a three-point shooting contest. We'll see who can. Just run it. 
I, I, don't I trust our himself. guys over there, guys. I don't think Easter's the offensive threat that we need him to be yet, unfortunately. It doesn't matter with that four with him, because Klein can guard the four in Michigan. He was guarding it up in Ann Arbor, and he did a really good job in the post. He's surprisingly big. He's really strong. He's much better this year anticipating and moving laterally. And we had him But just go at it. Let Eastern, like, Eastern was a prob- is a problem for people. Like he's the an- He might be the other answer to the Wagner problem. Just have him, whoever he's guarding, come over and double on Wagner. He's long enough to get in the way, quick enough to recover. And I've liked Nogel's play the last couple of games too. I think he's he's start it's start the light's starting to come on a little bit. He's such a weird player, man. Yeah, he he is. is such a weird like he <laughs> in like no four years he he's gonna be the weirdest the like like big left-handed rebounding non-shooting point guard. And it, and it's like I like him. I don't want to curse him at all, but weren't we seeing the same thing about Basil? Basil? No. No, Basil, no. you know Basil when couldn't Nogel, have the ball in his hand. You know when Nogel's on the court. I sometimes would go, even when Basil was playing a lot, and like go five, ten minute stretches without seeing him. Eastern sees the game. Yeah. He knows how to pass. He knows how to move. Defensively, I mean, he's everything Basil was defensively, only a point guard. Yeah. Yeah, don't put those two together. Honestly, Barlow's the good comparison just for what he's capable of, but I mean, like, good Barlow. Yeah. Because there was a while there where Barlow was a game changer. Oh, Barlow. He had attitude stuff and off-court issues, but, like, on the court, he was a good passer. He saw things. He knew how to play. Eastern, Eastern, like, once he understands the speed of the game, he's thrown off some passes where you're just like, ah, he sees the next level of things. He knows where openings are he just can't get there yet and he's a big dude i don't i think <laughs> i feel huge. like that's like an enormous point guard like, How about those not, two eastern wheeler yeah. pick and roll next year yeah. is going to be the most athletic play in purdue sports history <laughs> <laughs> it is like i i you guys haven't seen a bunch of wheeler the dude is nearly seven foot it's insane uh, he looks good on the bench <laughs> All right. played, should... I think he played center in high school, if I remember I so. correctly, on his a uh, his prep school team. Yeah, I think that's right. I think he played center. Uh, yeah, right. He's like six nine, six ten. Easy. Yeah, he's six ten. He's every bit like he didn't look small next to Harms. That's good. Well, I think we should bring this creaky ship in for her landing here. And uh, any final thoughts, Drew? Um, nope. Just uh, looking forward to the Michigan game. <laughs> How about you, Casey? Any final thoughts? I love this team <laughs> so much. <laughs> I I admit that they're threatening to overcome my Purdue PTSD. And I'm like there. Like I have had like I have had more conversations with Purdue fans where I'm at the end going, dude, believe it's fine. Just just take it. It'll be I'm, good. Just swallow that pill. It'll be. I'm trying. Fun. I'm trying so hard, but I've been. I've been. I've been down this road before, man. And but if if there's a team that's going to, I think this is it. And I'm really excited to see how this comes through. And I'm trying to go in with guarded optimism and everything else. But when we've won 15 in a row and we're looking as good as we did at moments against Iowa, and yeah, Iowa's not very good, but it's beyond that. It's it's just. Can I just? I want to run off some numbers for you. All right, I'm go just going to read a list of 15 numbers. All right, we'll, we'll do numbers and then we'll sign off here. So go ahead. 25, 9, 5, 5, 30, 25, 25. Um, carry the 4, make it a 49, 32, 31, 12, 11, 34, 28, and 23. Those are our margins of victory since Friday, November 24th of last year. That's every Big Ten game of the season and two games against Arizona and Louisville. And Butler. Don't forget Butler in there. And Butler. Yeah, because Butler's quality. I mean, i got to give him some credit. Uh, And then I'll do one number for you guys. Uh, It was from a good friend of the blog, Tyler Trent, uh, still battling cancer, so get well soon, Tyler, pointed out to us today that Purdue trailed – IUPUI for nine minutes and 42 seconds in eight Big Ten games total. Purdue has trailed nine minutes and 45 seconds. 
across eight Big Ten games. That's absurd <laughs> right there. That's crazy. Can I quote your quote with another quote? Sure. Whoa. We're going to call this the Andrew Holmes because it comes from Andrew Holmes in our uh, group chat. Yeah. They, it's they, a Sam Vecini tweet. Mm-hmm. And he goes, with Carson Edwards on the floor, Purdue has a 1.28 points per possession mark. How good is that? In terms of raw efficiency, the best overall team number in the Ken Palm era is 1.21 points per possession. Oh, geez. So pretty much, Carson's our best player, and Purdue has the greatest offense of all time when he's on the floor. I'm going to need a doctor in four hours, man. <laughs> I'm going to need a wet nap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that note, uh, for uh, Casey, for Drew and myself, we thank you for listening. Uh, We actually have a couple sponsors right now we can mention. Uh, We have Martin Vintage supplying some uh, nice vintage T-shirts that are available if you go to our site. Uh, They're right there on the front page where you can go and look at the designs. Game Day Depot. Uh, actually now is uh, Web Community Tees. They have some of our actual site t-shirts like the Defense Lives in the Air and uh, the John Octius one, Baptizing the Mapt- Masses. So, Baptizing the Masses! So if you want those, uh, I guess they would be kind of uh, the Hammer and Rail sponsors. Uh, they they provide us with some good shirts and everything else. And uh, I've got a couple of them actually wearing one of the Martin Vintage shirts right now. It's really good. So... Uh, we do thank you for listening. Give them a visit. Buy some shirts from them. They uh, look great. They help out a couple of Purdue businesses. And uh, let's just keep this basketball season rolling. So uh, that for uh, Casey, for Drew, and myself, let's uh, boil her up.